Welcome everyone to a landmark has been Hoops podcast now brought to you by Hoop City, Australia's number one basketball training facility. If you want to raise your game, visit the team at hoopcity.com.au to find your nearest location. Not only that were though, we are now being listened to by over a thousand people. So it's been a, a big couple of weeks, not only in the basketball world, but for us and our little has been Hoops podcast. How are you doing? Look at us go. We're going all up market. We're sold out. We're going we're going straight to the top. We're getting new people in every time. We've got sponsors now. Who would have thought? Well, we we had a little dream and uh, it's good to see that it's catching on. <laughs> we should uh, but <laughs> even more so. Even more so I think it shows the importance of basketball in our country right now and the relevance of our basketball in our country. Um, and that people want to hear from Two players that used to, to run around and think we were good at the game, and obviously you were very, very good at the game. I was uh, okay. And uh, we've got good opinions on, on what we see. And uh, the NBL has been fantastic. The NBA has been um, exciting, to say the least, except for the All-Star game. And uh, we've always known that the WNBL has been a great product in our own backyard that we'd like to promote as well. Well, let's get started with the basketball that they're listening to or they want us to speak about, and, and we'll go straight to the NBL. We've got our grand finalists. The Sydney Kings take on the New Zealand Breakers. The top two teams made it through. The playoff series, the, the, the format worked. Your initial thoughts about, you, you start where you want to start. Which, which semifinals do you want to recap first? Well, first, I think it's fitting that the two best teams in the regular season find their way to the grand final. Um, I would have been interested to see had Cairns been fit and healthy, had a Keanu Kinder that was available, had a Shannon Scott that wasn't on one leg, that didn't play the last two games, Tajir McCall without the shoulder injury. Um, if they could find a way to keep that core group together, they could be some serious serious contenders in the very near future. However, I have a theory. My theory is that Xavier Cooks is going on to bigger and better things from this NBL season. I would expect to see Sydney throw a lot at Keanu Kinder coming out of contract. Um, And I think that would be disappointing for Cairns, obviously a breeding ground for great talent that Brisbane used to poach off the Taipans heavily. Um, we've seen Melbourne United get Mitch McCarron off the Taipans um, when he won the championship at United. Um, I'd expect Keanu Pinder to have some big offers. I'd expect Steve to have some big offers. Yeah. But that, 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 that series between Sydney and Cairns was very exciting and we've just been robbed. I would have loved to have seen a five-game series. I would have loved to have yeah. seen people healthy. So, so there's a couple of things you said in there. I'm like you. I, I think we have a, a really long regular season and 
outside of this FIBA window, the playoff series are almost too short. I'm with you. I'd love to see best of five semis, best of five finals. I really, really hope that the money would have to be, I would imagine, astronomically more for Keanu Pinder to leave. He, he, to win most info, we touched on it last week. We won't spend much time. The improvement he's shown in Cairns under Adam Ford, I don't want to say he owes Adam Ford staying if the money's silly, but he owes Adam Ford. He, he needs to stay. Uh, he plays well for Adam Ford. He gets the best out of him. I, I agree with you. Every club's going to be in the DJ Hogue. I'm not sure how much they paid him, but you're right. Teams have poached imports and players off the Taipans for a long time, but uh, it, it's a much more, just, uh, much more space. But no, I, uh, I think I know where you're going with uh, with Xavier Crooks and we'll keep that one to ourselves just maybe until the next podcast and we may or may not know a little bit more officially, but uh, interesting times. Hey, the New Zealand Breakers, first of all, congratulations to the Kings for getting over the Taipans. We, we do have to touch on them and, you know, it always takes a little bit of luck when you look back over a season to win a championship and Cooks did his ankle in game two, Cairns got the win and you mentioned Kansas injury, they were unlucky. But yeah, you what know, you might just find that the Sydney Kings look back after this season and realize they've had a pretty good run with injuries throughout the course of the season. But hey, the best team is in the grand final series and they'll take on the New Zealand Breakers. What did you think about them defeating again an an injury, not ravaged, probably a weakened Tasmania Jack Jumpers who just continue to prove that they're one of the best coached and best organized teams in the NBL? Yeah. I'm very, I'm very happy for New Zealand. Um, I know a lot has been spoken about about the past two years, the COVID um, seasons of them having to stay in Australia for long periods of time, away from family, away from friends, um, living hotel to hotel for a whole season would have been difficult. Great reward for their fans. Great reward for the organisation that sacrificed so much. Um, Modi Mel has came in and given the Breakers a defensive identity that they haven't had since Andre Lamanis left. Um, and uh, the reason that they've been so successful, well, the reason that all these teams are successful, you have to get your imports right. And they were very clear that they had a very defensive, active centre in Pardon. They had a defensive forward in Brantley who could put the ball in the hoop and then they had a flat-out scorer that could come in, sit next to Will McDowell-White and, and do what he did. I think the other part is that is giving the keys to Will McDowell-White and letting him run the team. His growth has been huge. Um, so I'm excited. I'm happy for New Zealand. I'm excited for the series. It's going to be a contrast of styles, which is always a good thing. Um, and then Tasmania, I've got nothing but praise for Scott Ross. I've got nothing but praise for their playing group, uh, the professionalism that they display, the, the acts of kindness from Quinn Steindl after the game with the crying boy on the sideline after your season has just finished. Uh, the organisation just screams class, and I don't think you'd be hard beat to find a better first two years than what the Jack Jumpers have shown us 
uh, coming in as a brand new organisation. So kudos to the Jack Jumpers. Well done to Scott Roth and well done to the organisation. I'll tell you what the Jack Jumpers have done. You mentioned Cairns losing imports. Historically, that the Tasmania Jack Jumpers have positioned themselves incredibly well that any agent around the world would have the utmost confidence sending their players to Tasmania. I expect the quality and their, their imports have been serviceable, but I don't think you'd probably say that they're in outside of milk, oil and contention to even be in the conversation for the best half of the imports in the league. But I think they get an upgrade there based on what they've been able to demonstrate over their first two seasons. I think last year I thought, it was a flash in the pan a little bit. I didn't think they'd be able to sustain it. Tell you what, I, I'm a believer now. I, I think they can sustain it. I think they've positioned themselves nicely to become a destination club where players want to come and play. Um, now, we'll get into the grand final preview. We've got plenty of time through this FIBA window, so let's not talk too much about that yet. One of the casualties from the playoff series was Southeast Melbourne Phoenix coach Simon Mitchell, who... Handed in his resignations, said he'd had enough. And you know what? I, I got a little insight before I let you have an opinion on Super Bowl Monday, as it is here in Australia. We invited Simon as a Philadelphia Eagles fan to come and watch the game with us. And we're a little bit surprised when he when he turned up, although we were close to his home. But he sat and watched the second half of the Super Bowl with us. And as we were chatting, we were sort of, how you doing? And he just said he's exhausted. He said, I haven't had a holiday in eight years. I haven't had a week off since I started. It's been hard. And I think in his or in the club's press conference, he mentioned that he'd given everything he had to give to the program to get it up on its feet. That's exactly what Simon Mitchell looked like, that he had given it absolutely everything he had. And I'll go first and say congratulate. It's a hard job getting a franchise off the ground. And especially in a big market like Melbourne, when Big Brother United are across the road and you don't have that inbuilt support that the Jack Jumpers had from the first game they played. But congratulations to Simon Mitchell for what he's been able to do in, the, in his four years at the helm. They've made the, the playoffs twice. Um, I hope he enjoys a holiday. Yeah. It's, uh, I listened to his press conference. It was to the point, when you when you hear mutual parting ways uh, in sport, uh, I'd say 95% of the time it's not mutual. It's a forced hand. This one genuinely seemed mutual. Um, he talked about his relationship with Tommy Greer and what they've been through and, you know, I'm sure that decision wouldn't have been easy for Tommy as well had they had to have that conversation about potentially parting ways. Um, Simon is a passionate coach. He is, he's a lifer, as people would say. He's, he When he puts something into it, he puts it all. Um, I can't help but think that he got shafted with his team's health in that, those four years on the court. 100%. Um, and maybe had they not gone through so many injuries, um, we, we could be having a totally different conversation about this where 
they're prepping themselves for another run at uh, a run at a championship. But they've definitely had the talent over the four years. Um, I think Simon's grown in a co- as as a coach over those four years in his systems. Um, but ultimately, the playing group that wasn't available for him um, when he needed it most probably was led to him being frustrated and. And, and sick of being in that position. So here's the thing when a coach is removed from his position or mutually agreed apart, if he was removed, you'd only remove him if you had someone with a year left on his contract, someone ready to go, and you wouldn't take your chance. So if he was asked to step aside, you can only assume that it's one of Brian Gorgian, Trevor Gleeson, maybe Rob Beveridge, but it's an established coach or someone who's been a part of the program in the past, like a Judd Flavel that we know has been very close to an NBL head coaching job over the last couple of years. How do you see the process towards them selecting the next head coach if they don't have an inclination towards one already? Like you said, they're probably going, they probably know who they want and I dare say they've probably already got who they want. At the end of the day, they would have to go through the quote-unquote processes to make sure it's the right fit for the club. Um, but if if Simon is the mutual parting, I would suggest that there's other people within that organisation that might also benefit from leaving. Um, and I'd, I'd suggest that what the Phoenix need is someone to to shake up or backtrack. When we used to play Dragons, Tigers, the Dragons were always looked at as little brother to the Tigers. I remember you, and this is always stuck in my head, you would even call us a little brother because we'd never been into a real fight like family. And the real fight is playoff. Right. And and we had never beaten you in, well, the Dragons had never beaten you guys in the playoffs. They never faced you in the finals. And so it wasn't a rivalry and all that. When I listened to the press conference, they were talking about all the stuff that Simon had done. And the last thing they said is, and led the Phoenix to their first season victory over Melbourne. The next head coach needs to come in and erase all that talk because the Phoenix can build a roster on winning a championship and that should be the sole thing that they should be worried about. Now, if you ask me, who has the capability to come in there and just get shit done? You and I both know it's Brian Gordon. I mean, let's be. I mean, let's be very clear. If Brian wants the job, it's his. Correct. But Correct. what they're building in the Philippines as part of the China League is massive. Yeah. So, I think there's some moving parts there. But what I'd want is a coach, and I'm not saying that Simon. I think part of a new franchise is you have to create rivalries. And sometimes it's just smoke. Um, what I'd like to see is a coach to come in that has the values of winning it all, not just 
and Crosstown rivalry. Well, and I think that's there's, there's, well, there's your first two, right? It's Gorgian or it's Gleeson, and that's it. Yep. And, because no one else can prove Gorgian, that yet. Yeah, and you know that's why the Dragons got Gorgian back in the day because they didn't want they. There was no talk about us versus Melbourne when I first got to the Dragons. It was us winning a championship, right? And I took that straight away as, all right, this is something that we can build from. We're going to watch this space. Let's flip across to the NBA. Um, We haven't seen a game in a week or so, and that includes the All-Star game. I mean, without beating a dead horse, well, it is. It is like beating a dead horse. The NBA All-Star weekend is a waste of time. It's a half-paced game. The league doesn't send its best three-point shooters to the three-point contest. We've seen every dunk that can possibly be demonstrated in an event now and the skills challenge, who cares? It's an overpriced fan experience that the players particularly, they want to be a part of it because it activates and kicks in their bonus structures. But, I mean, tell me, what else can they possibly do? I mean, first of all, I know you agree. You mentioned at the start, what can the NBA do to get any level of interest or engagement back into the NBA All-Star Weekend? I'll change it to a world versus USA format. You know, the Yanks with their like bravado, they want they still want to be the number one. They would want to prove that they're number one. I think the world team would like to play with one another. We're looking Jokic, Luka, Giannis. Like, that would be an exciting team to see out on the floor or together. Um, but I think that would bring back a little bit of spice that the All-Star game has lost over the last couple of years. Um, it's hard when I hear that they want money as an incentive when you're already wearing uh, tens of thousands of dollars of clothes into a, an arena that's a one-off. Money can't be money can't be the the incentive for these guys to make it a better event. That doesn't make them try harder. It's been no, tried before. No, it doesn't work. Yeah, so I'd I'd like to see a change in the format being the world versus USA going forward. Um, I know why they still have it. It is a showpiece. It's an advertising campaign. It, you know all the shit that they get from ruffles and 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 uh, whatnot. Like, I'm sure there's lots of money being spent on having the All-Star game. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, the, the modern player, I saw a, a tweet this morning and they was like, yeah, the All-Star game's always been the same. They showed a clip from 30 years ago and dudes were blocking each other and playing defense and scrambling back on defense. Uh, I mean, it's just a glorified layup line now, uh, is what we see. Um, there's no way that someone would have got a 55 point game back in the day because someone would have taken it personally. And it just doesn't happen these days. Well, I didn't watch it, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, we'll move on to guys who actually play. We had, we had a really interesting question that when we come back from this break and I put out my Aussies in the NBA power rankings list uh, before the break and it got a little bit of traction. And one of the really interesting questions I've got for you is outside of Josh Giddy, 
which Australian player is the most important to their NBA team right now? Coming back from the All-Star break, leading into playoffs, which Australian player in the NBA outside of Giddy will have the biggest impact for their team? It's a toss-up between two. I think it's either Josh Green or Dyson Daniel. Uh, Josh Green has obviously excelled in the last couple of months and his ability to not only score but be a great defender. Uh, Dyson Daniels has proven to be one of the best one-on-one defenders in the league uh, with his quickness and he just adds another dimension to the Pelicans. They need his defence and they need... They need someone who is a great slasher off the ball, especially when the ball's in Kyrie and Luca's hands, because people sort of get into a trance and start watching what they're doing. And what Josh does really well is that slashing role, but also hold his width in the corner to knock down those threes as well. So I'd say Josh Green is the most important player to his team going forward. I'm with you. I couldn't add too much more than that. I think he's a clear second pick, and he's going to be a 30-plus minute a game guy when the Mavericks uh, begin their playoff campaign. Well, let, let's flip it around and we're going to introduce a new segment. And this one's our, uh, it's our Hoop City Raise Your Game segment, ironically enough, where I want you to nominate, actually, no, I'll nominate the first one and see if you'd like to add anyone, a player who has raised their game and been incredible in the NBL or the NBA, or in fact, somebody who needs to get into Hoop City, spend a little bit of time to actually raise their game. And I'm going to start and I'm going straight back to my rankings list, Ben Simmons. I have defended him for so long, and I've had him at second and third best performed Aussie in the NBA based around what he does do well and not what he does poorly. But when Durant got traded away and Irving got traded away, there was a decision Ben had to make in that moment, and that was to will raise his game and and to drive that Brooklyn Nets team and drive those new guys and be a big part of what they look like moving forward. He's gone the other way. Now, Jacques Vaughn is now on record as saying he can't play Ben as a big because he can't defend anyone there. He can't play him as a guard because of their spacing. Uh, He can't play them with another, he can't play him with another non-shooter. He's, Jack Vaughan doesn't know how to play Ben Simmons. And his minutes are down around that 10 to 15 minute a game from up in the 30s leading forward. Look, we've always known Ben can't shoot the ball. We've always known there's been an unwillingness to shoot the ball. But Ben Simmons needs to, has to, get into the gym and do it. I've said, I wrote a story a year ago about forget getting a shooting coach. Get Mitch Creek. Call Mitch Creek and say, Mitch, you couldn't shoot the ball five years ago. You're not sure if you're left-handed or right-handed and you've turned yourself into a very, very good jump shooter. That's all he needs to be is serviceable, knock some down and have the confidence to not only shoot him from the field, but to go to the free throw line and knock free throws down. If he doesn't, the, the, the Nets already want to get rid of him. He's going to be, he'll go to a place, he has an expiring contract for a team who wants to use him as a salary dump and he'll be out of the NBA before he picks up another team that actually wants him in place. So it's been disappointing. It's sad that, you know, at 23 years old, Ben Simmons was an NBA All-Star and deservedly so. So for me, Ben Simmons, you need to raise your game. It's about time. 
You said it all when you said it. All right. Let me flip it then. His teammate, Paddy Mills. The other, the, the second most asked question we got was, and I'll flip this one, why are Paddy Mills' opportunities, even now with the new roster in Brooklyn, so limited? And, yeah, he scores the ball well every time he has an opportunity or when they've got a spate of injuries and, and Paddy will come and start and have 24, 25 points. What, and we've seen it historically. We've seen it at the Olympics. What is it about Paddy Mills' Brooklyn Nets version that doesn't earn him any minutes right now? I think it's on the defensive end. I mean, to no fault of his own, Paddy's not the tallest player out on the court. Um, and deep offenses, they, they, in the NBA, you just get picked on, essentially. Um, we saw it here in the NBL where teams just picked on a Brady Manic, for example. The same happens at a higher level at the NBA. And so Paddy, as soon as he comes on the court, you see the opposition players just take him straight down to the post and then it creates a scramble. And, and also in the NBA with the no split line, no help, yeah, three-second defensive rule as well, of course. Correct. So he might be able to score you 24, 25 points, but the opposition team might be able to take him for more on the other end. So it becomes a liability. Um, I think Paddy is best used now as someone that can give you spot minutes that should have the ultimate green light of shooting when he's on the court. Um, but similar to what we'll see in the Boomers over these next couple of years, where while Paddy has been fantastic for us, obviously put in that huge performance for us to win a bronze medal. You look at the names that are coming through now with your Josh Greens, your Dyson Daniels, your Proctors at Duke and all that. We're talking about guys that are athletic, long, uh, taller, and these are your international types of players going forward. And so Paddy's just probably caught the roar in the stick. He's definitely made the most of out of his capabilities and abilities at the end of the day. But, uh, um, yeah, that, that's probably the, the sole reason that his minutes are going down. Now, I'm sitting here in LA right now. I'm, I'm over here visiting my daughter, Izzy, and I, uh, I watched last week as oh, she told me, sorry, last week that she ran into Russell Westbrook at the training centre, he comes into UCLA, he lives close to the gym and works out on off days and, you know, she'll sit and talk to him in the training room and the whole team, men and women, has, has got to know him and he's a big supporter of the women's game of basketball here, both at college and the WNBA. And then I drove to Stanford yesterday to watch UCLA play Stanford in a really good game, actually, 15 points down UCLA were and got their noses in front and uh, just couldn't quite get it done against one of the best teams in the nation. But sure enough, sitting courtside for the second women's college game in a row, Steph Curry. Um, I wrote today and I, I just thought it was worth worth mentioning that we always talk about, and we've done it on this podcast, we talk about supporting women's basketball, women's sport. We talk about it, but support comes from turning up, walking through the door and being present, a turn, a, a, it's putting your hand in your wallet and paying for tickets, merchandise. It's encouraging others to come to the game. I just thought it was worth mentioning that, you know, two huge NBA stars 
throughout their all-star break have chosen to go and support college basketball on the women's side, whether they've done it on the men's as well or not, I don't know, but just thought it's a really good advertisement both for the women's game but for those two athletes as well because, you know, Russell Westbrook, there's a lot of negative publicity around what he's done on the court, maybe undeservedly, and we'll talk about that another time, but just sort of is a really nice thing that he's done to promise the UCLA, the UCLA girls in the locker room, not in the locker room, in the training room, uh, that he'd turn up to some games. He turns up with his daughters. He sits there and he's engaged and he's gotten an arm also. A big pat on the back to Russell Westbrook and a pat on the back to Steph Curry for coming along and supporting them as well. That might almost do it, were though. We're we're nearly out of time. Uh, Unless you've got anything you want to add before we go. No, that's good for now. I'm looking forward to our grand final preview uh, with Sydney and New Zealand. And, uh, mate, enjoy LA. You've got a couple more days there. We've uh, we've got a couple of things planned. I'll fill you in, but uh, that'll do it for now again. Thanks to our very, well, not our new friends, but our friends at Hoop City. Don't forget to visit them at www.hoopcity.com.au. Tune in next week. We'll have more for you. We'll preview the NBL Grand Final. We'll have more NBA to talk about. Thanks again to those thousand plus people who've tuned in. Hold up. 